Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Hey, it's Educator Barnes here, and today I'm going to talk about this topic. White allies, your job is to listen and learn, not lead. And you're probably thinking to yourself, that's a pretty strong statement. What is this all about? Glad you asked. Um, Stick with me, hopefully. I think I'll take about 20, 30 minutes and we'll talk about this topic. We had the death, the murder of George Floyd by the hands of the police. That event catapulted us to protest worldwide, across the globe, you heard people protesting for racial equality, justice, all those things. But the work that goes into anti-racism, diversity, equity, and inclusion has been going on for a long time. It's just with this pandemic, with us being home, with us being able to see things and not be able to tap out or be caught up by the busyness of doing life, It gave people an opportunity to sit with this and say, hey, something has to change. But in the midst of all this, you have people popping up, white people in particular, and because I'm an educator, that's going to be my focus. White educators in particular, they are trying to dominate this conversation when this conversation was happening a while ago before they even got involved with the work. If you don't know this already, I am the editor-in-chief of NDK12. I also write for them. I actually wrote for them before I became the editor-in-chief. I have a podcast called Brazen Education, so I'll probably share this to both of those sites, even though I'm going live right now. And, you know, with that platform, I started getting followers, and I'm in a highly introverted person. But I'm all, And people sometimes equate introversion with being shy. I'm far from shy. And people started following me. But during this pandemic, my followers went up a lot more than I had expected. And I don't really pay attention to that much because I'm the type of person that really doesn't care about who follows me or what their purpose is. Um, I hope they learn something from me. And I also don't want to write stuff for the followers. And that probably sounds odd, but some people, they're so... um, caught up in becoming an influencer, that they're doing things so people can like them. I'm not here for you to like me. You may watch this today and hate me. You may not want to hear anything else from me. And that is okay because I'm not here for you to like me. And before I did some of those things, I had a website called, I have a website rather called um, Educator Barnes. And this particular website is just where I write things that may not be a good fit or any, for any K-12 or other places. And I'm going to show that to you right now. <laughs> what I noticed during this pandemic, you see in this bottom right-hand corner, it says I have 966 followers, which is crazy to me. And the only reason I even actually paid attention to that recently was because I got notified by my website that my traffic was up. And I was like, what the heck is that all about? And Since more people are following me now, I want them to understand that I need you to do more than follow me. I need you to understand like what my work is about. So I'm going to go over 10 points really quickly that ties into this topic. White allies, your job is to listen and learn, not lead. Point one, the work has been happening without you before you got woke. People are reading all these books, posting cute little photos on Instagram with them and their book. 
um, even highlighting stuff. And look what I learned today. There are so many people, there's so many black, indigenous, people of color that have been doing this work, have been advocating for change. And all of a sudden you read a couple of books and you're like, oh, we need to do this. Like, slow up and wait a minute. People of color have been saying this for years, for decades, been saying it for lifetimes. Just because you read something doesn't mean all of a sudden you get to go lead the charge. You got to fall in line behind the people that have been advocating. You need to ask, like, how can I help? How can I support this work? I can't tell you how many times over the last few months that people are like, Shante, we need to go do this. And I'm like, have you listened to nothing I've said? I've been doing this. I don't need you to go tell me to do anything. I need you to come support me. I need you to come and also say this with me. I don't need you to tell me to go do anything because that's what I've already been doing. And clearly you haven't been paying attention at all because you thought you needed to come and get me and get us to go do the work. Second point, reading about racism is not the same as experiencing racism. This is really important. I've sat in presentations about diversity, equity, inclusion that have been led by people of color. And they uh, are different than the ones that are led by white people. Now, I'm not saying that if you're white, you can't talk about this topic. What I am saying is that it is hard to accept that people who have not been in the work that long should be the ones that are up there leading the charge. When I share experience about racism, it lands a little differently than someone sharing a secondhand experience that they heard from someone else. And many times people need to sit in the session, look at a person like me, look at a black person and hear my story and be uncomfortable. It makes people a little bit more comfortable when a white person says, well, you know, we've had racism in our school. You know, we got to really stop that. It's another thing for me to show up and say, when I was a kid in Indiana, here are the racist things that happened to me. When I was a black, when as a black teacher in Indiana, I can say when I was a black teacher because I'm an administrator now, that's fair. When I was a black teacher in Indiana, here are the evidences of racism that I saw in my school that other colleagues were doing, right? I can say things like that and it lands differently than another person, a white colleague saying, well, this black colleague told me that this happened or I kind of saw that this happened, but you weren't really in the experience. So it's important to have those firsthand accounts because it makes it a little bit more harder for people to turn it off when there's a firsthand account and someone's in your face. And if you ever had a conversation with me offline, you know, I'm very, very real about some of the things that I've endured and I'm going to be very real right now. There hasn't been a school year um, that I can look back on it, this one included, where I have not been able to articulate an incidence of racism, period. Racism, microaggression, bullying, harassment, oppression. Every single year, I can come up with an example that I can articulate and put into words. And if you are white, you have the white privilege of not even seeing stuff, or you saw something happen and didn't have enough knowledge to understand that that was racism, that it was uh, harassment, it was bullying, it was oppression. Uh, you, didn't, you don't have the forethought, so you don't really understand what's happening. The system needs to change and you don't get to dictate the how. Now, this is hard for some people because the other thing I've been having a problem with lately is people telling me that I'm going about my work the wrong way. White people, white educators saying, you're going about this the wrong way. 
you know, when you wrote that article, that's not that's not that's not the right way to do it. OK, you know, when you went down to the state house, because I went to the state house, you know, some of the stuff you said about discipline, that Shantae, that wasn't the right way to do that. And I will um, link somewhere online when I spoke at the state house about discipline, because I got kicked back from that, that that wasn't the right approach. OK, get up. I'm on a podcast now. You know, Shantae, when you were speaking on your podcast, that is just not the right way to go about it. That's not right. OK. Shantae, when you got on the Washington Township page, and my kids live in Washington Township, and you made those comments about um, the Washington Township Parent Council, you know, that put them in a negative light. That's not the way to go about it. Okay. Shantae, when you went and responded to comments online and said that that was racist and that wasn't appropriate, that's not the right way to go about it. Okay. Shantae, when you brought this up in this meeting about how there are teachers at our school that are racist, um, that are that are causing microaggressions, that are bullying some of the students because I've worked in schools where white teachers have bullied students. Shantae, that is not, I mean, you know, that meeting, that wasn't the time or the place. If you don't get my point, there hasn't been much I've done, but it hasn't been some white educator that has went to explain to me it wasn't the time, it wasn't the place, and that wasn't the how. And there's a shirt that's floating around online. It's something like, um, we stand up, um, you have a problem with it. We sit down, you have a problem with it. But when we die, you're silent. Simply to say, and I know I'm not quoting that exactly correctly. And um, simply is saying, doesn't matter what action we take, there's always some white person there to tell us that we're not doing it right. But here's the thing. People like me, we work within the system. So that's why I went down to the state house and you just don't get to waltz into the state house and just go like, hey, legislator, go do this. You have to follow the process. You have to come there before the session starts. You have to sit there and listen to all the other testimony. You have to sign your little name on the log and hope that they don't go to recess. Because the first time I went to go speak, they went to recess before my bill was called. And they, they said, we're here on another day. Well, I can't take off another day in a row because I already took off part of this day. So I had to come back another time and speak. And I sat for four and a half hours. And then I went to go speak. And if you know anything about how laws get made, yes, the bill did get passed, but they gutted part of the things that I thought that should have stayed in there, right? Because, you know, that's how politics go. So I'm okay with playing within the rules and playing the system. I think it's important for anybody that's in this work to understand the system, understand politics. Because if you're one of those people that's like, oh, we need to keep politics out of education, then you just got your eyes closed. You cannot be in education and avoid the politics. So you need to understand them and be comfortable with being within them. So, yes, fall within the system. But you also have to understand that the system is made to protect itself. So that means we have to do something a little bit differently. That means we may have to blow some stuff up. That means we have to make you uncomfortable. That means we may have to start showing up to board meetings. This week, I'll be completely frank because I consider myself an education advocate and an activist. This week, I talked to the superintendent of the school district where my sons uh, go to school, talked to the superintendent, um, the assistant superintendent, the director of secondary education, the director of elementary education. I also talked to the director of special services in Washington Township. All that happened this week. Talked to the executive director of my charter network. Talked to him this week. Talked to my principal this week. I'm not here to be quiet. Being quiet keeps the system intact. And you may not like my tactics, but I really don't give a damn if you don't like it. I'm not here for you to like it. If you liked it, then it would just be all easy and it would be all rosy. This situation isn't a rosy situation, right? And the system wants to protect the status quo. 
So then the system was like, oh, you can't do it this way. And we keep sticking with the status quo. We'll never, ever, ever get anything done. So if you're a white person and you're hearing what someone's about to do, that's a person of color or they're black like me. And your first visceral response is like, oh, but don't shut your mouth. Stop. You don't get to dictate how we respond to racism, how we respond to oppression, because you have the privilege not to experience it. If you are have someone literally have their, their foot on their neck, snuffing out your life, you don't get to say like, oh, this is how. And that's how we feel. Metaphorically, we feel like a foot is on our neck, snuffing out the ability for us to live the way that we want. And like people are saying, black lives matter. Matter is the minimum. The minimum that we want is just to be treated equally, but we're not getting that. So we may have to go protest. We may have to go write an article. We may have to go shake up a meeting. We may have to say, hey, I want to speak to this person because we want change to happen. Point four, profiting off of our pain is wrong. There's so many educators I know that's been out here doing this work for decades. You talk to them, they're like a walking library. They're like a wealth of information. They're telling you from decades all the different things they've ever done. They've been putting on workshops. They've been doing things in um, the religious setting, getting to the basement of churches, holding meetings. They've been helping parents go to the school and advocate for their children. They've been doing the work. And then a white ally shows up reads a couple of books, they're going to put on a presentation, charge money for it. And a lot of us don't even charge stuff. And I, I'm on the fence about that. Um, I, I have a lot of people I mentor. I don't charge them because for me, I was talking to my dad yesterday and my dad was talking to me about some of my friends who are black. A lot of my friends who are black um, that I met in college, they finished college and have a college education. And my dad said, you know, a lot of your friends don't have the type of life they could have because there is so much debt because there was no generational wealth passed down for them to pay for college, right? And my dad say, said like people are just so far behind. And so when I'm working with other people of color or mentoring, a lot of the people I mentor are black educators. And typically that happens They're like, hey, Shantae, can you mentor me? And I got set up sessions with them. I don't charge them because I know a lot of times there's a lot of hurdles they had to cross just to get to the point where they're an educator. So I just want to help them be better because through that, I'm helping students, right? So that's my choice, right? I'm not against black folks or anybody like being an entrepreneur and taking care of yourself because it is a lot of work. There may be resources and tools and time. Like I, I agree that you should be compensated for your time. But what's making me uncomfortable is that White teachers are getting together, putting on these workshops, but nowhere in your whole entire career have you talked about diversity. You've talked about equity. You've talked about inclusion. You talked about anti-racism. 2020 shows up. You see protests. You see black people getting mistreated online because you're at home. You don't got nothing else to do. And now I'm going to go and be a consultant on DEI. No, like you don't get to do that. You should, let's move to point five, pass the mic and listen. You should pass the mic on to people who have been doing this for a while. 
there are some things that like I don't do uh, because I'm not an expert. I was at work this week and my principal asked me to take on this task. And I said no. And I know that probably jarred some people because people were like and I'm, I'm real. Like I told my principal, I said, no, I, I can't do this. I don't have the knowledge to do this task. Right. And so I ended up trading to do another task that I did have a knowledge base on. If you just now. Your experience with diversity, equity, inclusion has to do with this 2020. Then you're not the person to lead the work. You, the people that you go to and consult, because there's a lot of people that come to me and like Shante. What? Like I had someone in my LinkedIn messages yesterday. You posted this uh, these questions that people should ask about diversity, equity, inclusion. I posted the post from someone else. So I actually directed them to that person to connect with that person. And they're like, well, oh, I, and, the, and the part of the message was like, oh, I want to go and uh, go do this. And my response to that person was, you need to talk to that person and see what that person offers, right? You don't see, I mean, think about that. That person saw me post something of another black person, wanted to go take that and go do a workshop themselves. Instead of going back to the person who I know is in this work and um, gives speeches, instead of going back to that person and saying, hey, can you come to my school and do this presentation? Do you see that here? So why should it be you if you just got into the work versus the people that's been doing the work for decades? No, you're not the expert. You have years and years and years to, to learn. Matter of fact, you need to be at that workshop learning a little bit more because if, if your knowledge base is a couple of books and a couple of posts on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, whatever social media else you're on, because I'm not on all of those. No, that's not enough. Point six, your fear holds up the work. Now, I have people that I consider allies, like they, they my ride or die white ally friends. And the people that get to that point they have to work through this fear piece, right? I have people that I respect as educators that I think do good by black children, do well by children of color, but they are stuck right now in the fear part. And we have kids graduating from school, kids of color that are not prepared for the world. So we don't have time to waste for you working through your fear. If you are a person of color, you're an educator of color, and you're doing this work, yeah, you have fear. I'm not saying you don't have fear, but you know that the moments that we waste trying to work through our fear is holding kids back. So you just go and do it and you let the cars follow their may. And that may be like, hey, I got to roll out this school dish and go somewhere else for a minute because it's getting too hot over here. And I supporting this, you know, where it is. But a lot of uh, white educators that I've talked to recently, they are afraid. They are afraid to even be in this work. And, and they, it'll say things to me like, well, Shantae, I mean, so, okay, Shantae, I saw, I saw this teacher, like, I, I saw this teacher, like, mistreating this student, and, and I, I think it might be racist, but, I mean, I don't, I don't know how, so first of all, is no thinking, or it was a little bit racist, it's racist, right, so you gotta get, it's like, there's a fear of even the language, using the language, um, I think this person, and so I said, what do you say to them? Well, you know, it just wasn't the right time or this person is a good educator. Uh, I didn't want to make them uncomfortable. And, and so, no, 
I am the type, like, I'm the type of person, yes, I have, when I was a teacher, I have my classroom door closed, but I'm also that same teacher that's going to talk to any kid in the school, right? And I also feel like I should be that teacher that um, should talk to any other teacher in the building if I see something. If you see something, say something, address that person. So when white people allege that they're in the work, but then they're like, well, yeah, I can't go to you because I'll ask. I'll ask some of my white ally educator friends, hey, I'm going to this meeting. Will you come with me? Well, you know, we may be photographing. I don't necessarily want to, my photo to be on the internet. I mean, you, you know what I mean. And you know, you know how my grandpa is? Because I had a whole conversation with a white educator about her grandpa uh, who's online. Uh, look, you have to make a choice. I don't get to choose not to experience some of these things. My black sons don't get to choose. So if you're going to sit in your fear, this is why you need to not lead. You need to be back in the back listening and learning because so you can process and get through your fear and get to the work. Seven, trying to get people in trouble shows you are not down for the cause. As I said, I've been involved with this for a while. And normally when I start stirring up stuff and challenging the status quo, that's when people try to get me in trouble. Now, because I've been doing this a long time, I know how this all plays out. So I always try to get in front of the foolishness, especially when I know I'm about to bring something up. So that may mean, hey, let me just go around and work my way up to the superintendent or the person that's in charge of the network because I've worked in um, two charter uh, networks, right? Let me just go and have this conversation because I know how this is about to play out because you, you're not about to play me today, right? And it's like, well, you know, according to this guideline or according to this, no, because I said that there's racism here, now I should get in trouble and get penalized? Right there, that shows that you should not be leading the work because some of the same people that have tried to get me in trouble during my career are some of the same people that were willing to come out to meetings with me, were willing to go and advocate for issues with me, are the same people when, when the, the grease in the skillet gets too hot, then they're all like, well, I'm going to break ties with you and go and go report you. And I, I've been reported at work before. Uh, it's not it's not been the first time. It's not going to be the last time, right? But the other thing I have to do, you've heard it, um, black people have to work twice as hard to, uh, to get half as much. I work my butt off, right? I work my butt off to make sure that I am almost impeccable at work. So when these things come up, it's not like, oh, this is happening. And Shantae's a messy teacher. She's a messy educator. And we have problems. So now let's just get rid of her. It makes it that much harder to come for somebody who has an effective evaluation or a highly effective evaluation or is well-liked and well-respected except for the people. Because most of the time, if you're holding up the work and trying to get people in trouble when they bring up stuff, you need to stop. Um, this week, I talked to um, a white ally that I used to work with who's in another school district, and this person was getting in trouble. And they're like, I, I, every time I bring up something, now there's a conversation with me. And that is a form of getting people in trouble. You bring up something and then now they have to be called to the table to explain themselves. Or you're the one that's calling them to the table. Maybe you're the leader of a school district or maybe you're the principal. And instead of investigating and changing the situations that people are talking about, now you're bringing this black educator to the office and asking them questions about what they said and what they're doing. Um, that's not OK. So that means you should not be leading the work. Maybe you shouldn't even be leading um, that particular school district or that particular school if your response to people saying that this curriculum is colonized. Uh, these uh, teachers 
are kicking black kids out all the time and it's not right. If your response is to bring that person that's bringing those complaints to the table um, to make them explain and justify themselves, then you shouldn't be leading the work. Point eight, don't expect black, indigenous, people of color to teach you anything. Be grateful for what they are willing to share with you. Um, this week, um, I was told by a couple of people uh, that they were upset with me. They were upset with me because I wouldn't take uh, time out of the day to explain to them um, kind of how um, I do some things or some of the stuff that I've been doing, right? As an educator, it is my job to sometimes go and teach myself. Yes, my school district may be doing PD or professional development, right? But I also have an obligation if I have a gap in something to go inform myself, right? It is not my school's job to always find everything for me or always identify every single gap that I have because I can go do some of that work. And for some people, they want black people or people of color or indigenous people to sit down and take the time. And let me let me explain this, because I have friends who are indigenous. Right. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be I'm going to be real. Y'all. I'm going to you. I had an indigenous friend that cut me up because we were in a meeting together and I was all like, but the, what about the black kids? Now, this indigenous friend had been bringing up some issues about indigenous students in Indiana. And I was blatantly like this. Like. And the person said to me, who I consider a friend, is like, Shantae, like, I-, I hear what you're saying about black kids, but every time I bring this up, you know, it gets ignored. And even you said you were going to help with this, and you didn't. Call me out. And my knee-jerk reaction was to defend myself and say, well, what about this? And right when I got to the point where I was about to open my mouth and defend myself, I told myself, I said, Shantae, shut up. That's what I told myself, because I'm like, she called you to the carpet and she was right. You said you were going to do and help this and you didn't. And so this is a time for you to close your mouth, sit back and listen and do something differently. So when it comes to indigenous people, I follow quite a few online. Um, I know indigenous people in real life, so it's not just like the Twitter world. And then I determine, like, what do I have to go do and learn more? Like, I live in Indiana, which is named for Land of the Indians. And I will tell you, in Indiana, go ask any Hoosier on the street. Can they tell you much about indigenous people in Indiana? They probably can't. And that's really sad and ironic, if you ask me. So I had to go and accept that my friend can't sit here all day and explain all this stuff to me. And if I have to go find someone to explain the work to me, should I be leading the work? No, I would never go somewhere and think I'm the expert or the foremost expert to go talk about indigenous issues. I'm not. I am still learning. One of the things I got caught out on was not in capitalizing the I in indigenous. I capitalized I in indigenous now because someone called me out on that. So what if I was giving a presentation up there leading the work and I had the lowercase I and I had indigenous people in the audience, right? They would be triggered by that and be like, why is she up there? Why am I not up there? Why didn't she pass the mic to me? I'm using this example of indigenous people to hopefully get you to understand if you're white and you're listening to understand like you can't expect other people to teach you the work. We have places called the library where you can go. And I, would, I actually would encourage you to go to the library. Many libraries recently have put out lists of resources that you can go to. And I say that because 
reading little like this is the thing that annoys, annoys me about the internet. You see these little posts online, but there's no source. And I was an English teacher for most of my career, and I want a reputable source. And a lot of stuff on the internet is not reputable. So I would say start with a reputable place like the library and go teach yourself. Nine, when the system changes, you will lose power. And this is part of the reason, let's get real, that some white allies want to lead the work. They want to lead the work so they can stay in power. Yeah. They want to be able to say that I'm leading this school and we don't have racism. We don't have diversity, equity, inclusion problems because I was here. I led the work and now I get to stay and, and stay on top. Right. If the system was working well, then there would be people of all backgrounds and all levels. Right. Anytime I'm in a, a, a charter network or a traditional public school setting, I always want to look to see who's on top. You know, is the top really, really white and everybody down here? Maybe Oh, there's a speck of color down here at the bottom. Or is there equality? Is there equity between male and female? Right. Is there um, equity between the amount of different people? Um, do we have enough Latinx uh, educators? Do we have enough black educators leading the work? Do we have are we getting more males in the elementary school setting? There's all these type of things I look like that I look for. And so when the system gets to the point where it changes, where schools are equitable, where there's justice in schools, where kids are not being oppressed. There are going to be some people that are going to lose power because they should, A, um, they were mediocre. They shouldn't have been in power to begin with. And that's the thing that has frustrated me the most because I, I, I have really brutally honest conversations with my dad. And my dad says, like, you've done so much. And still, like, because the, the conversation I'll tell you, I'll tell you what we really have. I said, Dad, doesn't matter how many licenses I have, I'll never make as much as you, right? And my 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 dad does make more money than me. And I said, even if I move up, I may never make as much money as you. And it's not about the money, but it's about the fact that um, I've done all these things. And it's like, how do you uh, move up so you can make change, right? And for me, I'm not at the place where I'm like, oh, I want to go be a principal. There are several people that think I should go do that. I'm not I'm not in the headspace uh, to know about that I should do that yet. And for me, it's more personal because my husband is an administrator and he has a very demanding job. And I don't want to have latchkey children because I assert that sometimes you could live in this uh, double uh, two-parent home and be completely detached and your parents have no clue what you're doing. So I have a fear. I mean, you see my, my kids uh, back there behind me. Um, I have a fear that if I get too much involved um, or move up too high and help other people's kids, that my kids are going to get left behind. Uh, but regardless, it may not be Shantae Barnes. It may not be me leading the work. It may not be me ever being a principal. It may be me staying in the roles that I've been in and supporting the work from that level because we need people doing the work at every single level, all the way down to our instructional assistants and our paraprofessionals. Because many times those people, oh, because they don't have a bachelor's degree or, they, you know, they don't have enough college credits. We just completely ignore them. And some of the people that's really doing the work are those people down there, um, what we consider the bottom. Those are the people that's really doing the work and looking out for folks. And so maybe those people need to be moved on up and kick some people out of power. Because I, I mean, if you're a teacher and you had a good instructional assistant or a good paraprofessional, some of y'all know straight up they could go run your classroom. 
that could go run your classroom. And some of us would even assert that some of those paraprofessionals and um, instructional, assist instructional assistants can run the classroom better than some of the people who have bachelors and masters. So when the system changes, we're going to be looking at those skills and people who actually have the talent. We're not going to stick with mediocrity. And point 10, we won't be able to work together if you can't check your ego and swallow your pride. Now, I'm not saying that white people have no place in this world. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that a white person can't lead a PD, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, if you just showed up to the work right now, that you're not the best person and that you're going to have to constantly check your biases. We all have to do that. You have to check your white privilege. You have to look at your work to make sure you, it's not um, an extension of colonization. There's a lot of different things you have to do. And you're also going to have to realize that you may have been comfortable or you may have been the one that's been called on all the time. And maybe you're not going to be as calling as much. Maybe don't pull that teacher out of the classroom that's been doing this work for a while and say, hey, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so, we want you to lead this training. I, I mean, I know this other teacher's been leading all our trainings now, but she's not the person right now. So you're going to have to swallow your pride and know that you're going to be asked to take a seat. You're going to be asked to sit down. And if you're not asked to sit down, you need to have enough wherewithal within yourself to say, no, no principal, I'm not the one. Actually, when I was in this other two years classroom, she's actually doing this better than me. This person needs to be up here giving the presentation. And that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing. This We have a hard time saying, like, I can't do this. But like I said earlier, I didn't have a hard time saying, telling my friend, like, I don't I can't do that. Like, I shouldn't do that. I don't I'm not I'm not the expert in that. Right. Um, we have to get comfortable saying it's not me. And because we are we are willing to go do something where we're, we don't even understand it because we want to kind of boast out our chest and say, oh, I led this. But what's the point of you leading something if you didn't lead it well or you didn't influence or affect change? So final thoughts here, final thoughts. I'm going to take this on home. I know um, that people um, there's always people that are offended by what I said. And here lately, some of the offense has been uh, more bold. Um, people trying to get me in trouble. Um, I wrote a piece um, that recently called I'm OK with getting into good trouble, which also um, a bit of a tribute to Representative John Lewis. And even what was interesting about that, uh, Representative John Lewis came to Indianapolis. Um, he was at the Kennedy King Memorial um, two years ago, 2018. I watched it. I listened to him speak. And he said his famous quote, get into trouble, get into good trouble. And I had that pinned to my Twitter account since 2018. And there are people that just now have even gotten knowledge about who John Lewis is because he died. Had no clue that he even spoke um, at the March on Washington. No clue, right? So if all these things that other people that have been there where they already know and this new news to you, then it's not for you. And I, there are times when I need to take a seat because I'm not the expert on the topic and I need to go learn. And I acknowledge that and I'm OK with that because I'm, I'm going to be 37 uh, later this month. 
And there's still so many topics that I need to know more about. Uh, I was joking with uh, on Twitter with um, Sharif El Meki. I was joking about that I'm going to die with a list of unread books because I'm always and I'm serious, Sharif. If you see this, I really do want to know all those books that are on your bookshelf. I was for real about that uh, because there's so many things I have to learn in this work. Um, there's things that I wasn't taught in school. I didn't learn about Juneteenth in school. I learned about that as an adult, right? So there are things that when I listen to uh, my elders or people that are older than me, that are my parents' age, um, that I'm learning and taking note from, like, oh, I shouldn't do it this way. Oh, this person uh, did it that way. And so I need to go back and be like, hey, let me go back and regroup or rethink. Or maybe I'm not the person. Maybe I need, oh, this this organizers organize and go follow. And then the side note, we don't need to fight with each other. I'm okay. Like one of the reasons I've been mentoring uh, specifically black teachers, I do have teachers who are not black that I mentor. The reason I'm doing that is because we have an issue with secession planning, right? At some point in time, I'm not going to be here anymore or reality may be nasty and I get snuffed out for some reason for just uh, being black while in America. It's important that we're training up the next generation. And for me, most of the teachers I mentor are early, well, 20s, maybe early 30s, right? And they're younger than I am because this is my 15th year in education. I want them to be able to carry on the work. So I'm already like saying, hey, go read this book. Hey, go do this. You know, they're looking for a black person, a black educator still on this committee. I don't want to go. How about you go and you go get involved in that work and learn what it's like? So you also have to have a succession plan to bring up the next group of people so this work continues because you don't want to have someone die, right? And it's like, well, who's going to who's gonna fill that gap? Who's going to be that voice? No, we want to be like, okay, this person went on, rest in power. All right, y'all keep it moving. You want that work to continue. So hopefully you learned something from this today. Um, I, uh, I really, really enjoy doing this work. It's hard work. Um, it can be um, thankless work sometimes. It can be... Um, it can be difficult because people don't like what you have to say. Um, people try to go after your livelihood, go after your job, go after your family members. Um, but regardless of that, I want to um, leave this world better than when I found it. And I want my kids to have a better educational experience because their mom was out there fighting for change. Um, so I'll get this posted everywhere. And I think I mentioned some things I said I was going to link in. I'll do that. Um, but thanks for tuning in. Until next time.